Welcome to The Mind Killer, the rationalist brain on politics. As always, I'm Wesley Fenza. I'm Inyash Brodsky. And I'm David. All right. uh, Lots of news in this past two weeks, so we're just going to jump right in it. Last time uh, on our last episode, we were talking about uh, the CDC was giving this uh, weird bullshit advice about how you shouldn't get tested for COVID-19 uh, if you've been exposed to somebody who uh, somebody else who tested positive, uh, they put out this weird statement that said, oh, you don't need a test in that case. Don't worry about it. Um, and the story came out since then that, uh, as we all suspected, that came from Trump um, and Trump actually had his somebody from the administration posted that on the CDC website uh, over the objections of Redfield, the CDC director. I don't know who gave them the login password. That was a bad idea. Yeah, right? They gotta, that's why they make they change your passwords so often, <laughs> yeah. you know? So, so, so Trump, Trump doesn't get, get them. Yeah, yeah I, I feel like um, this is just a fuck up on the same order of, like, Redfield's probably going to get, like, a big box of dildos that uh, Trump ordered from his Amazon account soon. Yeah. <laughs> The yeah. thing, the really, I mean, to me, this feels like something you would see in some farce political movie. Like, I could see that on Monty Python's Flying Circus, where the president hacks into a branch of his government to, like, post shit. But what, how is this the real world? Right. And it's just, like, if this, if you didn't, if you weren't convinced yet that you shouldn't listen to the CDC, <laughs> can this be, like, the, the final word? Because it's apparently not even the CDC doing the communicating anymore. Um, and in, in further evidence of that, another story about the CDC uh, came out they, that they posted about uh, guidance that says uh, COVID-19 is airborne. Now, this is something everyone's known for at least three months, probably longer than that. Um, but the CDC, uh, two, about a week and a half ago, finally came around and admitted it, put it up on their website. And then the day later retracted it and said, oh, no, no, that was that was just a uh, that was just a draft that we put up by accident. So I don't I have no idea what's going on over there. But for some reason, they are very reluctant to admit that COVID-19 is airborne, even though it obviously is. I would humbly propose that governments are bad and bad at what they do. How? I mean, I don't I don't understand. We all already know that it's airborne, don't we? Yes. So why would everyone but the yes, CDC? Yes, but they're following the science, Yash. Following the science. Uh, How are they even retracting? I I didn't know that this was in question. I, I would be as surprised to hear like the FDA retracting a statement that corn has calories in it. I'd be like, what? Why? What? I don't know. It 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 sort of yeah it defies logic as to why they're doing this. But there's got to be. Like, like it's got somebody's got to be making money off of this somehow. No, I mean, I think it just goes back to um, uh, the Slate Star Codex post about masks. Like the medical jargon term for insufficient evidence is uh, no evidence, and doctors are incapable of distinguishing between there is not evidence for from there is evidence against, and. This is just because of the horrific, diseased edifice of science, quote-unquote science, that we've built up because 
our entire society is completely inadequate to accomplishing the most simple tasks, like finding things that are true about a disease that's wrecking the country and economy. I, I think that a government agency who part of their mission is relaying facts about current diseases to the public would have someone on staff that knows how to word things so that the general public can understand them. Yeah, it's not that that we haven't figured out that it's airborne. We have. We know it's airborne. It's It's been proven. Everybody knows. It's just that for some reason, the CDC doesn't want to put that in their official guidelines. Yeah, it's because we have one institution, and like the World Bank is in a sort of similar position, we have one institution that's supposed to both do research into a thing and communicate to the public about it. Um, and the researchers are running the show because for the long time that was the only part that people cared about, and now the, the critical comparative advantage the CDC should have is in the communications department, and they're completely and utterly inadequate to it because it's a bunch of research nerds who don't know how to do communication with people who aren't also research nerds. Maybe. I don't know. I won't be surprised if it comes out that there's some there was some nefarious purpose behind this. But I guess it could just be complete incompetence. Yeah, I'd... um. I'm leaning towards Hanlon's razor on this one, but uh, mm. I guess time will tell. All right. Well, in that case, we'll move on to our uh, news stories this week, where the uh, the biggest news story, which if you're listening to this, you I'm sure you already know, um, is that Justice Ginsburg passed away. Wow. Uh, and we're all we're all pretty sad about that, I think, because she was, I think, one of the the best Supreme Court justices of my lifetime. Um, certainly one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, very. I don't, I don't feel qualified to judge um, them, but in terms of favorites, she was absolutely one of my favorites. Um, and I think she, you know, she had a, a coherent legal philosophy stuck to it, um, cared a lot about individual rights, um, was... Uh, you know, usually on the right side of most decisions, uh, in my opinion. So it was uh, tough to lose her and uh, and see Trump uh, rushing to confirm a replacement. And a, a strongly anti-abortion replacement at that. Yeah. Um, so Amy Comey Barrett is the the nomination. Um, and I, I don't see any chance, really, of her not getting confirmed. So... I would have agreed with you if it had looked like they were looking for a confirmation in the lame duck session. But um, there's actually a really important Obamacare hearing immediately after the election, like literally a week after. And it looks yeah. like um, it looks like uh, they're trying to rush the nomination through before the election. And yes. that, I think, is the most... That was the scenario I literally have money on um, uh, for her not getting nominated because I like it's there's a lot of public opinion polling showing that uh, rushing through a Supreme Court nomination is fairly unpopular and I think there are a lot of 
Republican senators in contested seats. The Republicans are on the defense this election cycle who might be saying, you know, now's not the time for me to be playing Russian roulette with my seat. So I I I I have bet on uh on um the confirmation not going through um if uh if it took place before the election and yeah i stand by that see i completely disagree i i think republicans are shameless they will continue to be shameless um they do unpopular things all the time and they're you know usually pretty secure in that the uh, no they do unpopular things all the time that's not election month oh yeah no i think they're very unhappy to have to do this now but they're still gonna do it because you know they're they're loyal above all other things and they're loyal to their own party no that's ridiculous they're loyal to their own personal power and they're they tow the party line because otherwise cocaine mitch won't fund their re-elections but that die has already been cast like that you're basically you're basically asserting that senate republicans will cooperate in the prisoner's dilemma with uh with the republican party writ large against their electorate in the election month and i i i mean we'll see yes i i am i am near certain that they will all right i mean we'll see how the votes fall but like it seems like i couldn't have wished for a uh better circumstance to make sure barrett does not get nominated um now why do you think that the these republican senators think their electorate will be unhappy with them because because my... that's what public opinion polling shows hmm. which sure there is a slight liberal bias in public opinion polling but still it's uh like like my personal model of their electorate is yeah cool she's anti-abortion get her in right now and uh then we will have drinks and cheer yeah, I think the majority in red states is saying that, um, but there are there are purple state Republicans yeah. up for grabs right now. Um, and if they were voting in their electoral interests, they would be saying we shouldn't do this right now, and they should be they should be behind the scenes pushing for the vote to happen after the election, so they can hem and haw for a while before the election and not commit to one side or the other, um, and then you know do a sturdy after the election. Um, but and I, I I'm I don't think it's the Obamacare vote that they're uh, trying to get her confirmed for because I I really don't think there's any way that they're, they're going to overturn Obamacare on those grounds for pe- for people that don't know this Obamacare case is basically saying that because the individual mandate tax uh, penalty that was um th- that was that was basically saying if you don't have health insurance you have to pay a penalty. That was, resu- that was reduced to zero by the current Congress. And what the court action is arguing is that that should invalidate the entire law because the individual mandate is not severable from the rest of it. You can't just overturn the individual mandate without overturning the entire law. And this depends on this previous decision of the court that said the individual mandate was a valid exercise of congressional power because it's a tax and they have the power to tax. It's not, um, you know, they wouldn't be able to criminally punish you 
for not having health insurance, but they could tax you for it. And now that it's zero, it's not a tax anymore, so they say it's invalid, and that means the whole law is invalid. It's this super convoluted reasoning that, that no serious legal scholar thinks is real, and I don't, you know, as, as partisan as the Supreme Court is, I really don't think they're going to overturn it on those grounds. Um, so I don't think that's what Barrett's uh, rush nomination is about. I think they're rushing it through, A, because they know if they wait until after the election, there's more a chance that she won't get confirmed. And B, because Trump wants somebody in there in case the actual election gets decided by the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court deciding the election that I understand and also agree with why do you think she'd be more le- less likely to get confirmed in the lame duck session when no one has anything to lose? Because I think the only real scenario where she doesn't get confirmed is is that there is a credible threat from the Democrats to do court packing if they put her on. And I think that threat only becomes credible after they win the Senate. Okay, well... Um, well, we'll see who's paying who when all said and done. <laughs> yeah, I think I think if the Democrat if the Democrats were able to take the Senate and then and and she wasn't confirmed yet, and then they then they could say, hey, look, we're taking power on January first. We're packing the court if you do this. Then they might be able to strike some kind of deal. But before the election, no way. I would expect that uh, if that were to take the uh, place. The Republicans would have even more incentive to confirm her immediately because then they get her on the Supreme Court and they get the optics of the Democrats packing the court afterwards to run on their next election for. Like, look how corrupt the Democrats are. The people chose this horrible person to be a Supreme Court justice and uh, now they are overturning the will of the people. Yeah, but that'll be in two years. Everyone will have forgotten it by then. Yeah, it's probably true. Yeah, which, by the way, speaking of public opinion polling, um packing the supreme court is horrifically unpopular and also would just be a fucking stupid policy um so we'll we'll maybe have like a bonus episode about that at some point but <laughs> jesus Christ. court pack yeah because i'm because i'm i'm pro court packing oh god oh um just just yeah. as if one side's gonna gonna seize all the power they can, I don't think you can just say, "Well, we have this option to stop them, but we we're not gonna exercise it." Yeah, no. I I mean, we'll talk about it on a possible bonus yeah. episode, but yeah, that's that's all right. dumb. Um, all right, Eniash, did you have a comment? Uh, no, no, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and uh, oh, one of the things I wanted to mention is that. Um, you know, the reason I think that, that, that the Democrats might have a credi- credible threat of court packing after the election is that uh, 538 has put up their Senate forecast. And last I checked, they were 62% to take the Senate, which is much better than I thought it was going to be. You know, I thought they'd be I thought they'd be an underdog to take the Senate. But, you know, 538's model gives them, uh, I think it's now 61%. Can, we should. I just want to point out this wouldn't have been as big a thing if the fucking Republicans hadn't um, stonewalled the Obama um, nominee for over a year. They left that court uh, Supreme Court seat open after Scalia died. And, yeah. And and this not only strikes me as intense amounts of bullshit, but also I'm disappointed that Obama didn't force through something. And a lot of it was, I'm sure, just because he was like, well. Trump is the Republican nominee, and everyone knows there's no way he's going to win. So why make this a big old political war when I can just wait a few months? Hill Dog gets in here, and she'll put in someone. 
And, uh, yeah, I think there was a lot of complacency for that reason. Yeah. I'm also mad at Obama for not just just putting him on the court and saying, okay, well, if uh, the Senate's not going to do its job, then we're just going to take that as a uh, a tacit confirmation. Yeah. And there you go. You're on the court. And, you know, then let the he'd have to recuse himself from any decision that comes, but let the rest of the court decide. And he could have done a, uh, a, what is it, when the Congress is in absence, he makes an appointment then. A recess appointment? Yeah, that one. Could you do that in the Supreme Court? Uh, he could have tried it. See, yeah. <laughs> see if he can get away with it. <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah. I think he should have tried something. Yeah. Just rolling over and taking it was, uh, I think, probably due to the fact that everyone was overconfident that the that Clinton would win. Yeah. I feel like you guys are underestimating the extent to which the Supreme Court is the only even remotely functional component of government we have left, and fucking with it at all is. Totally cuckoo pants. Oh, I, I don't, I am not pro court packing, but I think that it's been fucked with a lot already. Like, you don't get six conservative Catholics on the Supreme Court without some fuckery going along around. Hey, there's some conservative Protestants. <laughs> yeah, well, yes. So I, I like the um, proposal um, Catherine Mangue Award put up in the latest Reason Roundtable, where we just have like an abortion court where the reds and the blues can slap fight over <laughs> abortion and then we have like a real live grown-up supreme court where uh you know the important decisions get made not that abortion isn't important but it's also pretty much settled uh except in the minds of some psychopaths who want either no abortion or post-term abortion that actually would be a great idea <laughs> i i realize you're calling me out and i am proud to stand by that <laughs> okay but I, I, but I also think that's not a bad idea. If we could just somehow separate the culture war issues out of the rest of governance, I think the, the country would be more functional. Yeah, my, uh, my preferred uh, way to do that, and actually I, I do like that Supreme Court idea, because the, the Constitution does give Congress the ability to determine the Supreme Court's jurisdiction. So they could just say <laughs> abortion... Um, the Supreme Court doesn't have jurisdiction over that. It's going to go to this other court. That'll be the abortion court. Uh, and the Supreme Court will decide everything else. Um, but my, my preferred policy, and I, this is unpopular on the left, but is, uh, is states' rights. I think the, the country is far too polarized on culture war issues to have national policy on them. So I, I would prefer to let each state decide its own um, you know, abortion laws. Damn it, Wiss. Which... You just pre-sniped my uh, troop t deployment. Oh, no! <laughs> but th that's <laughs> fine, because it should be repeated anyway. We should start saying it in every single episode. But yeah, I think different... I think I think state governments should... Anything that we're that divided on, um, this, they should let the states decide. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not a fan of telling Alabama that that they their religious organizations need to uh, hire gay people. You know, if they want to discriminate, let them be backward, and uh, all the all the gay people can move up here. Um, but I'm also not a fan of telling New Jersey that you can't have the gun restrictions you want um, because the peop the voters there, the 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 citizens, they they want these things a certain way, and it's just a it's just become a culture war issue that that screws up our national politics okay so take that idea detach it from geographical location and you're an anarcho-capitalist 
See, I understand the utopian vision of anarcho-capitalism, and it sounds great. It's just, and I, and I think most people think that sounds great. It's just we don't think it would work that way. I also think the geographic division stuff is kind of important because the ge geographic areas is where people are and their stuff is. It's hard to separate from the rest of reality in politics. Especially with gun rights. <laughs> yes. Gun rights, it's not really like I want to be restricted from owning a gun. It's I want my neighbors to be restricted from owning guns. Okay, well, I think we've spent enough time on this train wreck. Shall we get to the next train wreck? All right. Next. Next. Oh, and this one's a train wreck. The New York <laughs> Times has obtained Trump's tax returns. They claim. They claim. Um, I, you know, as as much as a go of a garbage fire as the New York Times is, I think they ha actually have them. I don't think they would put out this story if they didn't. Um, and they show a lot of stuff that anyone who's paying attention already knew, that Trump is bad at business, <laughs> that he's heavily in debt, um, that... That he's a loser and a failure. That he's a loser and a failure. Um, that he has paid almost no income taxes uh, in the past, you know, however, in the past decade or so. Um, I, you know, I feel like this is a big story, um, but I also don't think it's nearly as big as it would have been in 2016. Why do you think it would have been big back then? Uh, because I think people didn't really know Trump then. I think I think opinions were a lot more malleable on him, which is why the Comey letter was such a big deal. Um, although that was, you know, that was more about his opponent. But I think I think people already know uh, what 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 Trump is about. Even in 2016, people knew that like he declared bankruptcy multiple times. That he would screw all the contractors that worked with him. I mean, this this was stuff that was reported during the election, and nobody cared then either. I don't think this would have made any difference. So I've got a I've got a quick question for Wes. Um, so one of the pieces of information that leaked here was that Trump wrote off a several million dollar consulting fee paid to Ivanka. Uh, you're a lawyer, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, did yes, did Trump do a tax fraud? Are you uh? Are you are you doing the uh, the Popat podcast at me? Are you are you all the president's lawyers at being at me? Uh, I'm trying, but I'm not as good at it as uh, <laughs> as. Uh, um. Well, let me tonight. let me tell you the, this. The one guy. Let me tell you this. Michael Avenatti is not a good lawyer. Okay. <laughs> um. But no, that's almost. But, that's almost certainly. But is tactical. Trump's tax accountant a good tax accountant? <laughs> I mean, uh, it depends on what the consequences for this are. Fair enough. He may be a very, very good accountant. I wouldn't put it past Trump to cheat on his taxes because I wouldn't put anything yeah. past him, honestly. But I would like to point out that it is entirely possible all of this is completely legal. Um, I, I've i worked for quite a while in the real estate investment uh, industry. And one of the first things that really blew me away when I f first joined was how many shell companies there are within these real estate investment firms. They're like... Oh, yeah. It's the same people owning the same things through like three or four different layers of different names, and yeah, and that's that's for taxes. That's also for liability. Yeah, well, it's it, well in my case since I'm the was doing their accounting, I was uh, it was the tax stuff, and mm -hmm. not not only is it entirely legal, but they actually like you know coordinate with the government. They they call it the IRS or when it's state stuff, the local state uh, 
Department of Revenue and be like, hey, we're doing this thing. It's to avoid these taxes. We want to make sure this is all up on, on the up and up. And the government is like, yep, yep, that all checks out. Go right ahead, sir. So, I mean, it's entirely legal. The loopholes are written right into the law there. And that is how they, you know, reduce costs and hopefully pass the savings on to the renters. But who knows where it really goes. Uh, yeah. It's it's kind of infuriating sometimes, but it is entirely above board. And I I understand why rich people want to hide their tax uh, returns because regular people would see this and be like, "This is this is bullshit, isn't it?" <laughs> this doesn't seem right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the the biggest thing that um, is, was reducing Trump's taxes was that he had just had these massive, massive business losses from failed ventures that carry forward uh, until the the losses are all accounted for on the taxes. So he'll lose he he would lose like hundreds of millions of dollars one year and then for the next 5 years he would use that loss to just write off uh all of his income. But I actually I I would be extremely extremely surprised if this was legal. Um I'm sure a lot of it was legal, but yeah, you've just mentioned that that yeah, he's give he's he's deducting consultant fees to Ivanka. Um and I'm sure that there are tons of other things in there that are not actually legal um and if i think if you look at any millionaire's taxes you're probably going to find that because there's no enforcement uh and you you see this whenever republicans get in power they cut the budget to the irs because they don't want there to be enforcement all right next story and this is one this is one that that uh seems like it was months ago because of everything that's happened in between um but this was actually just about a week and a half ago was it came out that um, at an ice facility, uh, one of their doctors was not a, a good doctor and was performing hysterectomies and other sterilization procedures on um, very large amounts of the detainees being held there. Does anyone have anything to say about this other than ice and this doctor in particular, Delenda Est? I, I really don't. It's disgusting. It's, I, I had a friend who was very poor and got a cavity, and the um, government program's answer to this was to rip out her tooth, because that, I guess, was cheaper than filling the cavity. And I don't know if this was the same situation or not, but in any case, it's just to, to tear out a chunk of someone's body like that for no good reason. And this is like... You can't ever get that back. And reproducing is a really huge um, value for a lot of humans out there. It's, I, I don't, I don't know how that guy lives with himself. Yeah, and I want to say this is not the evidence for this was not the most reliable. Um, you know, I checked back this today, and we we haven't really um, recovered anything else. So um, we'll see if anything uh, if we uncover any more here. Um, but even if it's not exactly how it's being reported, this is still, this is still not good. And this is, there's a, there's a whole, you know, if you, if you've been following the news at all, anytime ice comes up, they're always doing something horrible. Um, so I'm very much on the, on the abolish ice team. Uh, the whole, the, the organization just seems rotten. I feel like the best thing to do would be to scrap it and start over. I mean, can we not do the start over part? I mean, like, it would be it would be awful if, like, 
the CDC or someone was doing something like this. Because, but, like, at least then you could say, well, you know, it sucks that that one guy did a bad, but also controlling diseases is a good thing. So, like, we can't burn the entire thing down. But ice is full of rotten eggs, for lack of a better word, and also just their basic mission sucks and is bad and shouldn't be done. I'm... I'm really surprised how quickly this dropped out of the news cycle. And that's the thing that when we were going over our outline, and I thought we'd covered this before because it was so long ago, but it just, with Ruth Beta Ginsburg dying and the tax returns and everything else, it, it dropped after 24 hours. And I think, I don't know, this is this is the worst thing I've heard out of the last two weeks, and it really went away fast. Yep. All right. And uh, Ineash, you had some more bad news for us from the former Soviet bloc. God, this fucking week. Um, yeah, um, Armenia and Azerbaijan, uh, south, just south of Russia, near Turkey, are uh, shooting at each other right now. I believe there's been hundreds, uh, as by right now, I mean as of this morning, uh, I think there were hundreds killed already. And according to reports, this involved mobilization of artillery and uh, aircraft. So it wasn't like a... a uh, skirmish that got out of control or something this was something that had some level of organization behind it um these two have been at each other's throats for really since the soviet union fell apart so this isn't really a surprise this is just a breakdown of a a shaky situation but you know if things don't get better this could escalate into an actual full-blown war so hopefully uh someone can do some kind of mediation or talks between them and if it does get into a war, uh, they're right next to Turkey, who is a NATO ally and who has been uh, allied with one of these. I don't remember off the top of my head now which one it was, but... Uh, uh, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's Azerbaijan, because Turkey kind of genocided the Armenians. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there was that. Just, just a little bit. <laughs> they, you know. they, they did do a genocide that one time. Yeah. So yeah, this this might not be um, might not turn into anything. Might turn into a you know hot war down there. Uh, so does we know Putin orchestrated this, right? Like, is there any dispute of that at this point? I don't have evidence for it, but it seems entirely reasonable to me that he did. Do you really need evidence? <laughs> it depends. For what I feel purpose. like I feel like that's the I feel like that's the null result. Yeah, uh, unless. Unless I needed to assume otherwise for some reason, I would assume that he was involved in this, yes. Alright. Well, uh, we we covered... I feel like the news this week was uh, worse than usual. It was bad too. So weeks. we're, we're going to try and balance it out with some happy news. We, got, we, have, a few, we have a few happy stories here. Um, the first one is uh, less a happy news and more schadenfreude. <laughs> <laughs> but we're putting it in the happy news section. All right. So um, the president of Princeton University, uh, just for for as far as I could tell, no particular reason, uh, put out a um, a uh, open letter that was pretty standard. Um, you know, white liberal self-flagellation for racism stuff. And, uh, there was this one line in the letter that said, um, Princeton has been guilty of, uh, both historically and present- This isn't a quote, by the way. Something like, Princeton has been guilty both historically and presently of, 
uh, both intentional and uh, systemic acts of racism. And the Department of Education was like, in presently responsible for intentional acts of racism, you say. Looks like the kind of thing that our department is literally supposed to investigate. And then he was like, oh, no, no, no. When I said presently responsible for deliberate acts of racism, <laughs> I didn't mean presently responsible for deliberate acts of racism in, like, the legal sense. And the DOE was like, <laughs> All right, then, I guess you won't have any problem with us investigating your shit. And now the DOE is investigating their shit. Yeah. And, I mean, they're almost certainly not going to find anything. Because this was... what The statement from the president was just this content-free. I'm sure he had nothing in mind that he was thinking of. It's just, as David was saying, your typical white liberal self-flagellation. But... I, I find it very amusing. Yeah, let's not um, be coy. We know exactly why he released that statement. He was trying to fillet all the uh, the woke uh, white people who are very much on the anti-racism, uh, white fragility thing that has been going lately. And uh, the part of the point of that is that you have to confess your sin as a racist and uh, accept, I don't know, who Jesus is in this situa- situation, but accept someone into your heart as the cure of your uh, racism. And uh, so he was taking that first step in admitting that he is an unrepentant racist, and uh, or now repenting racist, but definitely a dyed-in-the-wool racist, and uh, everything is racist, and gosh, isn't that terrible, but look at how great I am that I'm willing to admit how racist everything is. <laughs> yeah. Um, I absolutely so it's just love this. Amusing. Yeah, how can... How can... <laughs> Because sometimes, every now and then, it's nice to remind people that words mean things. And this has been one of my, uh, I think it was a troop deployment of mine three or four episodes ago, where I said we need a different word for systemic racism to, to differentiate it from actual racism. And here's one of the reasons why. Because uh, when you go around and say, yes, I am racist and my university is racist, there, there's a thing that racist means both uh, in the cultural understanding and in legal terms and you might face consequences when you start changing uh, what you mean by words like the entire reason to use the word racist is because of the the negative affect that comes along with that word it's supposed to be a thing that means you're a terrible person because it was a terrible thing and when you change what it means without changing the connotation that uh that's exactly what they're trying to get away with now does anyone know how the woke liberals are reacting to this i because i wonder if they're looking at it like oh no he was just doing the thing that we all do he wasn't saying this actual racism or are they like ah yes a racist is being investigated excellent i feel like it's probably the first one i feel like it's probably the first one but if we didn't have a Republican-run executive branch, It's pro- it probably would be the second one. Like, if the Obama Department of Education had done this instead of the Trump do- uh, DOE, like, it could have been the exact same series of events and the response probably would have been 180-degree opposite. I have not looked into it, though, so... Uh... Yeah, you're, you're probably right. They're not allowed to approve of anything Betsy DeVos does. Yeah. So. The reason this is my favorite story of the week is because I um, believe absolutely fully that all the uh, woke people know that that is just what he was doing, uh, and 
they cannot actually say that out loud. This is the most epic petard hoist I've seen in a long time because they have to keep their mouth shut or uh, the whole thing breaks down. So, yeah, that's that's great. So, to continue our tradition of pedantry, Eniash, do you know what a petard is? Yes, it is a charge of gunpowder that was used to breach fortress doors back in the Middle Ages. That is correct. Yeah. A lot of- I learned that recently. I always thought it was a spear. Oh, see, for a long time I thought it was just like a harness or something that, you know, you would get yanked on a stage around. But uh, no, what I God, I don't remember how long it was. It was a few years ago that I learned that it was like, yeah, a thing you used to breach a fortress. And if you didn't time the fuse right or got careless, you could uh, blow yourself up. <laughs> yeah, and, and, that, and that's actually one of my favorite... Um, uh idioms to go full or well on because the image of someone being hoist by their own petard when you know what it means <laughs> is just so yeah. hilarious <laughs> yeah it is and it's interesting that the hoisted is the the verb used there because that is not how i would describe that <laughs> i know right <laughs> you know they had a sense of humor <laughs> I, would never be like, I would never be like oh you've been hoisted by your grenade <laughs> All right. Anyway, next next story, which is actual happy news, not just us um, taking joy and others suffering. Um, the United Arab Emirates has officially recognized Israel, and Oman and Bahrain uh, are are expected to follow suit. Uh, which is, I mean, just really good news for the lowering of tensions in the Middle East. Um, this is. These countries have not recognized Israel as a country for since its founding. Um, so sort of anything, I, you know, I consider it good news when anything lowers tensions yeah. um, in in that area of the world. Um, and this is also uh, it was partly brokered by Jared Kushner and the Trump administration. I think uh, I, they deserve some credit for it. Well, damn. Yeah, anything that allows the, the governments there to actually interact with Israel as a legal entity rather than, I don't even know what they were doing before, is at least a step forward. Yeah. All right. Uh, more happy news. David, you had a story from Florida. Yeah, so real quick, I did look up uh, some pieces on the Princeton letter from The Atlantic and, um, and uh, The New York Times. And they are the most just-the-facts-ma'am-ass pieces I have ever read. So, like, there, there is oh, come no on, David, that's not where the now. real woke white people write. Um, yeah. yeah. You gotta go see what Occupy <laughs> Democrats thinks. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, so, uh, not much to say about this one. Uh, just Florida did a, did a good. And gotta say, Florida's been on a bit of a tear lately, uh. So they uh, passed a quite broad occupational licensing reform uh, bill. Um, I don't know if it was a legislative or um, or a referendum, but uh, yeah, they it includes reciprocity with a lot of other states' occupational licenses. I believe it also. Um, cuts down on a lot of the requirements, but again, this was, uh, like a week and a half ago, by which I mean seven million news cycles ago. Um, yeah, it was a house bill, so, um, yeah, uh, yeah, so, good job, Florida. 
And it was uh, it was legislative. Yes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, but occupational licensing is generally bad. Um, requiring a license to do a job just means that tons and tons of people are kept out of that industry, often for arbitrary reasons. Whereby people, you mean brown people. Yeah, and poor people in general. Um, a lot of the a lot of the occupational licensing regimes have no uh, no real relation to a person's ability to do a job or safety, which is what they always claim. It's mostly just uh, incumbents in the industry wanting to limit their competition. Um, so any any reforms of that system that that require fewer occupational licenses um, or, or that ease up on those limits or like Florida does uh, makes them cross jurisdictional so you don't have to get a new license in every state you want to practice in um, that's that's uh, very good and I hope we see more of that yeah. were there any estimates as to how many people would be affected uh, I did not see any and I imagine it would be fairly hard to estimate because the big benefits would come from license holders in other states moving into Florida um, I don't know if people who already moved are, like, grandfathered in or whatever, but, uh, mostly it's just, um, uh, this particular bill is just reducing the geographical ossification of America, which is one of my pet hobby horses, which we can also maybe do a bonus episode about. All right. Well, speaking of Florida being on a tear, uh, you may recall that, the voters of Florida in the last election voted to reenfranchise ex-felons. Uh, Florida had a law preventing felons from voting, and uh, the people, by uh, initiative petition, uh, overturned that law and said, no, ex-felons, once they're out of jail, once they've, they've served their time, um, they get their right to vote restored. So in response, in a truly uh, dick move, the legislature of Florida passed a law that said, okay, well, you can vote, but all of your fines have to be paid off. Uh, and ex-felons have a lot of fines because they get nickel and dimed for every little thing. Um, the accounting for these fines is notoriously terrible. And um, it's just basically a poll tax. I Do ex-felons normally have to like pay back fees over the course of years once they get out of prison? Often, yes, huh. because they get charged for they they get charged for their prison stay. I Jesus, I had just assumed that yeah, like, a lot once of places. you're out of prison, you've uh, paid your debt to society. Yeah, you've paid your debt to society, but not to the government because those two things are different. <laughs> right. All right. All right. Settle down, David. I, I the reason decline. this is in happy news <laughs> is because. Is because uh, it came out recently that Mike Bloomberg has raised sixteen million dollars to pay off these debts and actually reenfranchise these voters, um, and he's doing it in the most uh, efficient way possible, but which is by just paying off the debts. Um, so, um, you know, I I remember uh, maybe some people said some bad things about Mike Bloomberg. I don't I don't remember what was said <laughs> or um, who said it. Uh, but yeah, great, great guy that Mike Bloomberg, and um, Donald Trump thinks so too. Yes, right, David. Donald Trump tweeted, "Wow, nobody realized how far Mini Mike Bloomberg went in bribing ex-prisoners to go out and vote for Sleepy Joe. 
He is desperate to get back into the good graces of the people who not only badly beat him, but made him look like a total fool. Now he's committed a serious crime. Uh, Wes, is this a serious crime? Oh, this is not a serious crime. This is not a crime of any sort. You mean I can just go out and pay someone else's bills if I really want to? You can. Um, if you condition that on an agreement for uh, who they're going to vote for, that's illegal. Yeah. Uh, but if you know who they're going to vote for and um, do it anyway, but don't tell them who to vote for, completely legal. I also love the irony of him of calling this a bribe. <laughs> when, when, first of all, bribes, come on. That's the, everyone knows that's your thing. But second of all, it's a poll tax. It's not a bribe to pay off the poll tax because those are... Ugh, never mind. All right. And uh, last piece of happy news is that um, Seattle, um, in response to uh, uh, the recent police protests, has started a program that replaced some of its police calls with mental health responders. Um, You know, they have, I think they're like social workers, that if they get a call that someone's, you know, acting weird and being crazy but isn't violent, they they don't send out police. They send out someone who's like a social worker who's trained in how to deal with people with mental illnesses um, who are um, causing a disturbance. And so far, uh, they've gone out on about, I think the number was 350 calls and hadn't had to call for police backup one time. Um, so, and I think that, you know, that's the sort of thing that I think the, the protesters are very reasonably asking for. And, um, you know, that's what some people mean with the unfortunate slogan, defund the police. Yeah. Instead of reroute the funding to better things like this. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something that, that we can all support. Hell yeah. Um, given that this will result in fewer people being shot. So 350 and it's only been in place for a month? Yeah, let me see. That was my impression. Wait a minute. This thing that you linked says Denver, not Seattle. What? Oh, my God. You're right. <gasps> Gasp. Well, how come How come you didn't know about this? You live there. <laughs> I try to avoid news in general. I, I've <laughs> only broken that uh, thing because I'm on this podcast now. Huh. All right. Well, I'm glad you joined a news podcast. <laughs> you know, it's it's easier to keep up on the things that rise to the level of national <laughs> politics. Um, so, yeah, this is Denver. You're right. I don't know why I thought it was Seattle. Sorry. Sorry, Denver. Um, but, yeah, it says 350 calls uh, since its launch on June 1st. So it's been there. About three, four So I months. guess it wasn't. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So when was George Floyd? Was that before June? Ooh. Oh, yeah, that was in May. COVID. So it was like right. Yeah, it was it was May twenty fifth. So yeah, it was right after that. Man, they moved quick. Mm-hmm. I if th- how quick it was makes me think maybe this was something that had already been in the works. Yeah, I would think so. Because you don't get this sort of thing set up in a, a week or two. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it seems to be working. So hopefully this can be a model for other jurisdictions. Oh yeah. All right. Well, that brings us to troop deployments. Uh, As we all know, politics is the mind killer and arguments are soldiers. So in that spirit, we invite each of our three hosts to send a soldier out onto the battlefield each episode. And we will start with David. Uh, Yeah, so I am less sending a soldier out onto the battlefield as I am sending a post-apocalyptic mutant abomination Pokemon onto the battlefield. Uh, If you do not 
I choose you. <laughs> yeah, uh, if you do not feel that you get enough of uh, David-based content, blah, content, um, podcast content uh, every fortnight, uh, there is an exciting new way for you to get your David podcast-based content. Uh, I am starting a, or rather, I am taking over as the GM for the podcast formerly known as uh, Pokemon Primeval, now known as Apocalypse Now. Um, the <laughs> uh, it is a uh, sort of alternate past slash future uh, Pokemon setting D and D podcast. Uh, although I'm running Blades in the Dark because D and D is a bad system. Fight me. Um, and, uh, yeah, the trailer episode for the season I am running, uh, went up, uh, two days ago, and, um, or no, sorry, yesterday on Sunday, and, uh, the first episode that I'm actually running is going up, uh, two weeks from yesterday, uh, on the 11th of October. So, yeah, keep an eye on that feed. There will be an RSS link in the description for this episode. It's a really good time. You get to hear me do all sorts of silly voices. Uh, so if you enjoyed my Trump imp impersonation from earlier in this episode, check it out. Sweet. Congrats. All right. Thank you, David. Um, also, my prediction is that David saying D&D &D is a bad system is what's really going to get us canceled. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't have to be a good system. It just has to be widespread. That is that is pretty much every single rule system out there. Yep. There has issues, and there's better versions, but the fact that they're well-known is what is important. RPGs are network goods. Can confirm. Yes. All right. Eniash, your troop. Uh, well, we kind of alluded to it earlier, but... Um, God, I don't even know how many generations it's been that a new ruling party takes power, they do a few things that they think is important, then the next ruling party is like, well, boy, they abused that power, we have to correct that, so they take more power to correct what happened before, and as we're going to see in this next elect uh, election cycle, it's probably going to be packing the court or something to make up for the stolen Supreme Court justice seat that, uh, that Trump and the Republicans pulled out, and things are just going to keep getting worse and worse, and... I, I am of the opinion that the best thing we can do is to disarm the government entirely so it's not that big a thing anymore. Uh, we should... Hmm. Ideally, the next party to get into power would not expand its power to make up for the previous injustices. They would drastically cut the government powers uh, to interfere with people's lives and, as you were saying, go a lot back to states' rights. And I know this will never, ever happen, so this is my own utopia anarcho-capitalist idea thing that uh that w once i started thinking about it i was like isn't this isn't this basically the libertarian party so i think <laughs> I, I may <laughs> I, I think i may have gotten swept up into a cult on accident but um but yeah i think the government just you don't see it when you first um become aware of the government in your teens because you're like oh yeah this is the power structure we have in play and it's only after a couple decades of seeing the power level creep up every single election cycle that it starts to um to dawn on you that this is terrible and we should really ratchet everything back but i don't think that'll happen because no one has the incentives to be the first party to start reducing power your uh globalist neoliberal illuminati letter will be in the mail just go ahead and sign it in blood and then uh, give it to the next Amazon delivery <laughs> man you see, uh, or delivery person, sorry, 
And, um, yeah, you should be getting your robe and mask uh, probably sometime next week if you're quick. Now, do I get any, like, powers or gadgets or anything? Uh, if or you... do I just get this feeling of helplessness and despair? Uh, if you level up enough, yeah. Oh, sweet. Okay, I'll work on that. Okay. Sounds like Scientology. I'm going clear, man. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, and my troop deployment this week is my galaxy brain take on how Donald Trump could save our democracy. Damn. Um, I'm so I I'm pretty sure I've shielded for this before here that um, parliamentary systems are better. Um, what we need is representative democracy where there are, you know, uh, just a, a lot of parties that people can join. They get represented in our legislature in proportion to the amount of people that vote for them. Um, and so everyone's not forced into this two-party system that everybody hates, but nobody has a plan to get rid of. Um, and the way Trump could save this is, what's he going to do if he loses? Now, I don't think he's... I, I think he likes being president. He likes being powerful. And if he loses, I don't think he's just going to go away. Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not super worried that he's going to insist on staying and that uh, everyone else is going to tolerate that. But I think he is going to once he's outside of government, he could really start agitating for a representative kind of system because he'd see that that's in his best interest. Because if there are multiple parties, um, all of whom are represented in proportion to their electorate, he'd probably have the biggest one, even if it was only like thirty five percent. Um. So he could this is a way he could still be the most powerful person in the country. Um and he could rally all his supporters that just love him and don't care about the Republican Party to support this system. Um now probably if that happened the left would unite against it because they that's just what they do. They oppose everything the other side wants. Um but if they're smart, they would realize that this is a better system um and support it also. Um so really, if we if we end up getting a uh, a representative, a, an actual representative system, um, it could be because Trump just wasn't satisfied with being out of power. I I like the silver lining you have found. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, in this scenario, Trump loses, so it's all all to the good, really. It, it sounded like some key part of your plan depended on some people being smart, though. I did, so probably not going to happen. Oh, and I, but I will link in the show notes. Um, Robin Hansen just wrote a thing about how all the evidence shows that uh, parliamentary systems are better. So I'll link that in the show notes because that is uh, an interesting read. All right, and that is our show for this week. Um, please follow us on all the things. Um, please leave us some reviews. Um, we'll be back next time to talk about the debate that probably has already happened by the time you're listening to this. Um, but we are recording on Monday night, so we have not seen it yet. So we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll cover that and the inevitable stupid aftermath. Wes, you are springing this on me out of nowhere. Do I have to watch this goddamn debate now? Uh, yes, you Mother do. effers! I, <laughs> I am not going to watch the debate, just so you know. Ah. Uh. Uh, David, you, how how are you going to make me watch the debate without you watching the debate? I don't care whether or not you watch the debate, but if Wes is not going to make some specific incredible threats, I'm not going to watch the debate, because <laughs> I have a life. Wes, come up with a specific incredible threat. <laughs> you have your mission. All right. All right, I'll think of something by tomorrow night. Okay. <laughs>
Uh, all right. And as for you, listeners, uh, come back in two weeks. Same rat time, same rat channel. Bye. Bye.